This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi there and welcome to episode 44 of Total Saints Podcast, sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs. My name is Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanners on Twitter, and this is the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints. My two regular guests this season are Adam Leach, the Chief Sports Writer at The Daily Echo, and Steve Grant, owner of saintsweb.co.uk. Between the three of us, we have well over 70 combined years of watching Saints through the many ups and downs. A fairly alarming stat in itself, and one that probably explains the short fingernails and nervous disposition we all have. Um, Steve, in light of those 70 years between us, it's been probably a positive week. I know you've been to Brighton and to Crystal Palace. Uh, Yeah, it's been alright. I wouldn't say Tuesday was anything to necessarily write home about, but... It was a win. It was yeah, that was that was the the long and short of it. I mean, you get a 88th minute winner, you're kind of going home relatively happy um, in the hat for the for the next round of the draw, albeit possibly one of the worst draws we could have um, could have asked for. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, two wins, two clean sheets. More yeah. importantly, I think, yep. given the way we've been defending so far this season. Yeah, plenty to be positive about. Adam, Steve mentioned it there. I was sat watching the Carabao Cup with uh, David Prutton and all that, and the draw came out, and I, I imagine somewhere in the Leach household there was a FFS moment there for a minute. There was a lot of swearing. Yeah. There was a lot of swearing. The air was blue, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not talking was, Everton um, blue. Yep. Oh, very good. Thanks. Very good. No, I was uh, I was actually just watching the draw to pop a story online and just a little bit in the paper for the next day. And but I'd actually uh, even gone to the stage of writing the sort of introduction with the Saints have been drawn to play question mark question mark in the third. <laughs> and uh, you know you're desperately hoping to write Saints have been drawn to face anybody at home. <laughs> obviously they were one were they the last ball or like the penultimate draw. It was it was right they were right at the end yeah, weren't it was they? Penultimate I think mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah, I did have that feeling when it was Preston 
will be at home to. I was like, oh, here we go. And no, no, it's still the Saints didn't come out. And then when it was Everton, I was thinking, I'm not sure there's any more balls left in there. And then sure enough, Saints came out. And mm-hmm. uh, was Man United derby the last one? I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, so. I think it might yeah. have been. Yeah, um, I, I mean, either of those would have been equally hideous. Yes, that's very true. And I know we were having a brief chat as when we say, what, what was it? You, you're now going to have Liverpool Saturday, Everton, oh, sorry, I say you, as in we as fans as well. Liverpool Saturday, Everton Tuesday or Wednesday, and then Wolves away on the following Saturday. Is that right? What a hat-trick of a way trip. Amazing, yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly. It'll be interesting to see what the club do, because obviously the club have the great advantage over most of the rest of us, that they uh, they obviously have their own plane. So Come on, be they, honest. Uh, be honest, you've got your own plane as well. <laughs> Oh, no, it's a helicopter, sorry, <laughs> not a plane. Um, yeah, I just soar above everybody, just over the traffic. I'm, I'm like the guy the guy who owns Leicester. I just land my helicopter in the centre circle before the game and just stroll up to the press box. And yep. Somebody goes and parks it for me. <laughs> That's what you do with a helicopter, I don't know. But, yeah, so, I mean, they, they obviously have got the great advantage that they will be able to fly. Depends whether that Everton game definitely gets scheduled for Tuesday or Wednesday. As mm. as we record, we don't know for sure. No. I think uh, it's going to be Wednesday because I, th- I believe Everton are playing on the Sunday. Well, in that case, I suspect what Saints will do is they will come home on the Saturday yeah. and then go back up on the Tuesday. But they will probably stay somewhere for Wolves rather than coming back from Everton, if that makes sense. But, yeah. obviously, the rest of us are unlikely to be able to have that luxury so yeah uh, quite what we do i don't know because it you know you don't want to sound well woe is me but it obviously is a lot of mileage to put in in a week it is a little bit extreme to kind of do do that kind of mileage in with the, obviously having to do pre-match uh stuff as well so i don't, mm. I don't quite know exactly what we'll do no. um it's slightly concerning Absolutely. although we've got an international break so perhaps i'll just do my best to forget about it for a fortnight and yeah Open miracle happens. Yeah, or if not, we'll try and crowdfund you a helicopter or something like that. See what we <laughs> see what we can do through the pod. Well, maybe if we speak to Happy Hot Tubs. I mean, maybe they could extend their sponsorship to uh, give me a helicopter. Yeah. Happy helicopters. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, we could do that, couldn't we? And I know Liverpool are at home to Chelsea, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, there we go. On this week's podcast, we're going to look back at this weekend's fixture against Crystal Palace and that much-needed 2-0 win for Saints. We'll also have a proper reflection on the current situation, the highly competitive Total Saints podcast, Fantasy Premier League, and briefly discuss Alex McCarthy, who achieved an England call-up this week. Just before we move on, I just wanted to give Robbie at Saints in France and his team a shout out for their Saints World website, which finally went live this week. I know there's been a lot of effort into making that happen. Um, There's loads of content on there to read through and get involved in, so please go and give it a look. It's uh, www.saintsworld.co.uk. Right, let's get cracking. This is Total Saints Podcast, episode 44, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. HappyHotTubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. Adam, we're going to do the pod slightly differently this week. I thought it'd be good to cover off uh, some of the news items and then maybe end on a high by talking about Crystal Palace. I know we will probably talk about him in a minute, but Alex McCarthy got called up by England this week. Deserved or slightly surprised based on the the start to the season he's had? No, no, no. I think deserved because you're you're getting uh, England recognition is partly due to the competition that you're facing as well of course for that place. It's not like saying he's been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, 
and there are a number of English goalkeepers around. But I mean, Steve's seen them at uh, closer quarters than I have playing for England. But I think he's in with a shout of being in the squad. I think actually the interesting situation that's perhaps going to develop at Saints, he clearly is number one at Saints at the moment. But with them having Angus Gunn, I'm getting the distinct impression that Gunn is not just at Saints as uh, a definite number two. I think they see him very much as a rival to McCarthy for the number one. I think a lot of us assume when he arrived, it was a case very much of him being the deputy for a few years. I don't actually think that that's necessarily the case. So mm-hmm. I think that actually McCarthy is going to have some genuine competition for his place. So whilst he's got into the England squad, and that's great, I think there's enough to keep him on his toes in all departments and, and good on him. I think Mark Hughes hit the nail on the head when he said, uh, yeah, the sign of a good goalkeeper is somebody who, who can make those match-defining saves when you really need them. And, and McCarthy's done that for Saints, really, since he was brought into the team, especially at the back end of last season and uh, the beginning of this. And I think my general impression of McCarthy is just not that I would say that there's... You know, we've seen a lot of goalkeepers down the years and you go, well, maybe they're a great shot-stopper or maybe they're excellent distribution and things like that. McCarthy maybe doesn't have that one really outstanding quality that you would talk about him with but he also doesn't really have a you know a terrible weakness either he just seems to me to be a really good solid all-rounder of a goalkeeper and I think in the situation that Saints have found themselves since Forster went out of the team that's that's kind of just what they've needed really is somebody who is you know (laughs) a safe pair of hands excuse the pun and I think he's fitted that bill and good on him for getting some England recognition as well. Indeed. Steve, you, you obviously follow England a lot. I, I know you get to pretty much all the games these days. So I was thinking about other previous Saints players, I guess the ones that we uh, we still like and we still talk about. And I, I thought it was pleasing to see Luke Shaw back as well, someone who's taken quite a lot of often unwarranted abuse from Jose Mourinho to Manchester United, but has started the season really well. Good to see him getting back to his best and in the squad as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where... Like everyone seems surprised that a quality young player who was worth thirty million pounds what four years ago is actually good enough to play if you give him the opportunity mm. um, and he can keep himself fit. Which I mean, I think part of the situation is that he hasn't necessarily managed himself particularly well either, as well as uh, Mourinho's been an absolute ass towards him. But yeah, it's good good to see him back. Although obviously. I think Ryan Bertrand will probably once again feel a little bit hard done by, given that Shaw's only really come back into the United side at the start of this season, whereas obviously Bertrand's been never present for for a number of years now. Just seems to not quite do anything spectacular enough to get himself noticed. Yeah, it's all a few Saints fans mentioning that it may have been because he pulled out uh, before the World Cup last year, obviously when Saints were... uh on their relegation run and he pulled out at fairly short notice didn't he and, and missed both those I think it was the warm-up games wasn't it so I'm not sure if Southgate has kind of thought well that was your chance you didn't want to take it I'm going to move on or whether there is just as you say a, a glut of sort of left backs for him to choose from possibly a little from A a little from B yeah. um, I mean Southgate's certainly not had a problem being tough with players that don't really show that they necessarily want to be there but by the same token there's a lot of competition there mm. I mean you've got other other players that haven't even really been been given any mention yet. I mean, players like Ben Chilwell at Leicester yep. has started the season superbly. Um, I thought he was he was good against us last week. He's only going to be in the under 21s for the, for the foreseeable future, you would think, because mm. there's just so many players in front of him. 
Yeah. And moving on from England then, it was the close of the European transfer window and I, I couldn't let the Quincy promise to Sevilla uh, move go through, Adam, without just raising it because I know a few Saints fans I think have been a, a bit frustrated that um, that scenario sort of over the last eight, nine months has uh, happened and then he's ended up at Sevilla. Earlier in January this year, it was mentioned that Saints were after him. He's, he's moved to Sevilla from Spartak Moscow this week for a reported €20 million Euro fee. Um, whether you believe it or not, we were linked with him for quite a while during January and there was talk, particularly from Radio Silent, I think possibly more than yourself, Adam, that Saints would look to revisit the deal this summer. That didn't necessarily happen. So thinking about it from a, a Saints point of view, if we were wanting to buy, you, you know, he's obviously moved to a different club now. It's a lower price than Saints were potentially quoted or being quoted or was definitely in the, the public domain. Is there more to that one than meets the eye? I mean, do you think Saints were really ever in or they were just using that as a bit of a try and keep us all happy because we were frustrated by the, the January transfer window and Onikido Korea being signed? No, I, I think it was genuine. Uh, I, from the conversations I've had, I, I believe that it is genuine that they got very, very close to Walcott before that fell through. They then moved toward trying to get Quincy Promise and I think they offered a lot of money to try and get Quincy Promise in I think that there's two potential issues of what happened with that deal in January and one is they were obviously trying to buy in January from a club that didn't really want to sell and then that's that's obviously a very difficult time to try and negotiate that kind of move without getting completely rinsed and and you've only got to see now that we were looking at potentially a fee circa 25 million in January uh, pounds mm-hmm. and he's gone for the equivalent of about 17 million pounds this summer so it's about 8 million pound less than we were talking in January that's just the way these deals go uh, I, I do believe that that Saints genuinely were interested in him there was obviously some talk around the club uh, in January that this would be something they would revisit in the summer as you said I think a few other places went a bit harder on it than than certainly the Echo did I wasn't entirely convinced myself that that was uh, a definite goer and obviously as it's proved it, it hasn't happened and my suspicion always has been that one of the reasons maybe it didn't happen was that perhaps just perhaps he was holding out for a better club mm-hmm. as well um obviously Spartak didn't really want to sell him I think his agent probably gave Saints some positive noises but obviously a lot of this is often with the idea of also trying to stoke up the interest of other clubs that may be in and around for him and let's not forget that even though the link had gone a little bit cold Liverpool had heavily been linked with him not long before Saints as well and, and that might have been the kind of move that they his, his people were perhaps trying to prompt to go through so I think all of those things considered and Saints obviously decided to move on they obviously the, the this summer's dealings I mean I've, I've said a few times I can't quite believe that they haven't gone for pace this summer having gone for Walcott and Promise in January but they obviously have moved on for whatever reason they've identified that that's not an area that they needed to uh, strengthen um, as a priority in the summer and and so they actually haven't even gone down that route it's not as if they've gone and got somebody else in but in that kind of mould they've moved on entirely so my interpretation is it's probably a mixture of, of a combination of factors really Spartak now willing to sell when they were very very reluctant um, without a huge bid perhaps Saints having moved on as well a little bit obviously that we <laughs> we thought that they were going to be playing a back three back five all season so that that position might not be one they necessarily needed obviously that doesn't look like what they are going to play for the rest of the season now but um, nonetheless they they kind of moved on from that and also as I say 
Uh, I suspect maybe this is a move that the player wanted and perhaps his interest in Saints wasn't quite as keen as was being portrayed at the time, maybe. That's just my reading of, of the situation from, from what I've heard and what I know. Right, as promised, we're going to do a quick Fantasy Premier League update as well. Um, we've briefly sort of mentioned it throughout the, the season, but I mean, we're getting to that stage now, Adam, where it's getting crucial. You know, we're into game week four, the points are starting to rack up. I mean, I had a quick look before, Adam. I, I, I'm enjoying this, actually, because I, I thought you'd just sort of start running out straight and ahead and just sort of lead from the front a bit like, you know, a marathon where everyone's trying to catch you. But I kind of like that you're playing it cool because you're down in 107th, and I know the tables are still to be updated from this weekend, ads, but it's nice that, that you're sort of giving everyone else a chance to get ahead of make, make a bit more of a game of it it's a very very long season do you really think that Watford are going to win the Premier League who knows well they're not going to win the Premier League I've got news for you Fair enough. so <laughs> it's a long way to go yet of course this is not aided by the fact that I've got absolutely no idea who's in my team well, they're you obviously haven't. not doing very well whoever they are right, but well, let's, um, let's have a quick look at it so you you've had then. um so you had this weekend you've had Hugo Lloris in goal as vice captain um he didn't even play so that that wasn't necessarily the, the, uh, the shrewdest of moves I don't even understand what vice captain means what even is vice captain Steve, you're the FPL expert. Come on, what, what's vice captain? The vice, the vice captain role only actually comes into play if your actual captain doesn't play. So if your actual captain doesn't play, then your vice captain basically takes over as captain and he scores the double points. What is wrong with just picking a team at the start of the season and they just score points? Why have you got to complicate this by having to pick captains, by having to do transfers? This is why I don't play this stupid game. I thought you said you did play it. It's, it's, it's like real life football, though. They chop and change the team every week. Yeah. They make transfers. Exactly. Yeah, but they've got time to do it. It's their job. <laughs> have I got time to do this? Let's have a chat about this one as well then. So Charlie Austin, mm. you got Charlie Austin up front. He scored Oops. you. He scored you minus one point this week, Ad. So minus? That's... How did he get minus one? Steve, we missed a penalty. And so, I mean, to, to be honest, I'd I'd be nominating for him to lose double points for how it was a dreadful penalty. That penalty was. It was. So bad. you lose points if you miss a penalty. Yeah, and right. You well, even if it's saved. Yeah. Do you get bonus points for being man enough to be the person who steps up and takes it in a pressure situation? If you score, yeah, of course you do. Oh, if you only if you score, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and look, looking at your team, Steve, you're doing a bit better. So I know it's still to be updated, but you're you're in 33rd at the moment. So again, you know, Adam giving you a bit of a chance to sort of get ahead there. You, you made the same mistake as me. We we both had having given him the big build up last week. We both had Wilf uh, Zaha in our team. But you you were mentioning before we started that someone on your bench will probably get the points. Is that right? Yeah, I've got um, Jose Holibas on the bench uh, yeah. from Watford, and he got two assists this afternoon. So um, ten points in the bag. Excellent. Um, to come in and sub in for Zaha's big fat zero. Yeah, and you made a Bama Yang captain, so that paid off as well. I mean, this is this is how yes. you do it, Ads. Yeah, it's, it's gone okay. And well, um, I'm not saying Steve's a man with too much time on his hands, but I'm beginning to wonder now. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, good. I only scored 36 points this week myself, so I had Salah as captain and Harry Kane as vice-captain. They managed to score a whopping six points between them. God, Salah was awful on Saturday, wasn't he? Well, he Jesus. had that one chance, didn't he? And he just put it wide. But uh, I'm in, I'm in 56, so I'm, you know, if you double that, I'm almost sort of up near Adam. So quite, quite a way ahead of that. I mean, to be honest, as long as I finish ahead of Leach, I don't really care, to be honest. Well, that seems like a fairly safe bet already, doesn't it? How many are in the league? I'm by just the way? looking here. So bottom, so 152 is Lala. So we've we've done quite well. We've got 152 people. So if you're listening, that's a lot of people. Thank, thank you very much. So uh, congratulations to on all of you for beating me. <laughs> so <laughs> Trace Naylor is bottom uh, on 85 points. So um, 
Yeah, so I'm just looking through. I, I thought we could just have a quick look through. Um, by the time I've edited this, this will come together seamlessly. But uh, Dominic Mackerel, I think Steve's a bit frustrated with Dominic. He seems to be very serious. He's up on 306 points there, Steve. So. That, is a ma- that is somebody who's got far too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. Goodness yeah. me. An unemployed person I'm, I'm, now. I'm liking his team name though, San Pellegrini. Yeah, yeah exactly. San Pellegrini, that's nice. Um, we've got Bon Serenart. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Black and White is in second. Mike Hopkins, Liquid Football is third. I'm just going to flick through a few others. Shane DeZilwa, who I know listens to the pod from Oakland in California. Shane, you're doing great. You're in eighth place at the moment with If the Saints. Andrew Pate, TV presenter in ninth oh, with Andy, help. yeah. Yeah, Andy. Like um, Andy. Exactly. Freddie from the uh, Ugly Inside is doing well as well. He's 15th at the moment. Lucy's up there, 16th. Um, who else we got? Just, I'm not going to go through every single 152. Lewis Coombs, um, another TV yep. presenter. It's quite a celeb. Total Saints podcast, Fantasy League. He's 24th. I'm going to pick a couple more try and pick some familiar names mark atkins i know mark always listens to the pod swindon saints he's in 43rd and uh we'll do one more um richard brereton there we go 51st team name is oh that's the name of his team he's gone with team name so maybe he didn't fill that bit in if he did maybe it's genius oh that's great how about picking a few that were below me all right well just made me feel a bit better please. there's not that many to choose from um got a scroll Scroll quite a long way down. Yeah. Oh, here's one. This pace will, down, pace this, down. This will make him happy. This will make him happy, bearing in mind how grumpy he is all the time. Glenda LaCour is 140th. Um, oh, so, Glenn. Yeah, so, uh, Glenn. Oh, okay. you're rubbish. Um, Chris Rann uh, at CR Stig, Big Bad Chris. Yeah. He's 131st. Um, oh, George Galpin, he's 126th. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Hawkins as well. Virgil van Dykehead. Uh, whatever, 120. <laughs> I like I like that. There should That's be good. points for good team names, really, shouldn't there? So uh, there you go. I think we'll just end on Virgil Van Dykehead. Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach, and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk Saints were in Premier League action again this weekend, facing Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. The game eventually ending 2-0 to Saints and a big, massive, humongous three points. This isn't a drill, it was a win for Saints, the third in the Premier League in the whole of 2018. Adam predicted that Saints would win, so well done Adam, you got one point. You did go for 2-1 though, so actually even though you said at the start of the season you were taking Fantasy Premier League uh, more seriously, you've rocketed on to four points in the prediction lead with me and two and uh, Steve down on one, so you're actually doing quite well in that. Well, actually, if you remember, I changed that last week, that I was taking this more seriously than Fantasy Premier League. Right. There's no prize for the um, prediction lead, though. There is a prize for the Fantasy Premier League. Well, yeah, but there's a credibility issue at stake, isn't there, really? Mm. Surely. There we go. Steve, we spoke about last week the uh, potential of getting three points and how much that can mean for Saints. So, massive three points going into the international break. Yeah, I mean, I think if we come away from uh, from yesterday's game having been beaten, I mean, especially given the boost that we were presented with an hour before kickoff when we saw that Zaha wasn't even in the squad, let alone um, in the starting lineup for Palace, I think you'd have had you know, a lot of sort of negative feeling, a lot of sort of introspection on whether the transfer dealings were any good, whether the manager's the right man for the job, whether the players are the right ones being picked. Mm. All this sort of stuff would have been dragged up and endlessly debated for the next two weeks until the Brighton game. Mm. But having obviously got that win and I mean, temporarily propelled us up to the, the heady heights of ninth at one yeah. point, I think everyone can now kind of just relax a little bit for the next couple of weeks and... 
um, not worry too much about it for the time being. Absolutely, and it was, it was bizarre, isn't it? I don't know if you saw the Will Saha record at Crystal Palace, but in the last 12 games that he's not played in, they've lost all of them, and they've only yeah. scored three goals and let in 27. I mean, it's hard to believe that one player could be that influential, Steve. As a general rule, yes, although I think the way that Palace have always played um, since they came back up, has been centred so heavily around Zaha's game. Mm. I mean, it wasn't quite so pronounced when they first came up because they had Yannick Balassi as well yep. doing a very similar job on the opposite flank. So they had kind of two outlets then, whereas now it's very much everything goes through Zaha. And um, I mean, you've got players like Andros Townsend who on their day can be a problem. Mm. But someone like Townsend, he's very predictable. You know that he's going to play off the right wing and he's going to cut inside on his left foot and, oh, and hit the ball into row Z. <laughs> That's basically what he does, and he's crafted a pretty decent career out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, beyond that, Palace are a functional team, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think I said last week, I think their their central midfield is actually very underrated. With, um, uh, <laughs> don't, don't try to pronounce Mie- it again. Klipovic, That's it, it that'll do. Yeah, well done. Good. And MacArthur. And obviously MacArthur had that excellent shot off the angle of the post and bar yesterday. Yeah. So they, they're a functional team, but they're not... Without Zaha, they... They don't have that creative spark, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they had 20 shots against us yesterday. But we'll gloss over that bit. I know, I know absolutely. And adds, um, I mean, to be fair, we spoke about it last week, didn't we? The uh, 45 minutes that Saints had provided maybe up at Everton and uh, and then against Leicester where they'd played well and then sort of fizzled out a bit. But as Steve says, you know, a bit of luck maybe, but genuinely it was a start to finish game from Saints yesterday. So nice to see. Well, I think that they realised after Everton, certainly from what Mark Hughes has said, that they, they had to try and start a lot better um, in matches. And obviously we did see that certainly against uh, Leicester. It's just that they weren't quite able to finish off the job. They came out with good intensity against Brighton as well in the cup. Obviously a, a totally changed team pretty mm. much, 10 changes. But they, they did also come out with that intensity again. I mean, that was a that was a really dreadful game of football really. But they obviously ended up getting a win and, and they were the better team. And then they'll all be at the 10 changes back again. Uh, for the weekend, they managed to sort of uh, stay positive throughout. And there was a lot of positives to come from it. I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree and echo uh, Steve's sentiments that uh, there was a point towards the end of the game or that, that little period when they were getting absolutely battered that I thought, oh, blimey, they're going to end up conceding a scrappy goal here. And to not win this game, mm. as Steve said, having failed to be an average Leicester team minus Vardy to then having played well for an hour, to play well against Palace for most of the 90 minutes, mm. a bang average team without Zaha, to come away without a win then, I think that would have been uh, seriously demoralising, especially with two weeks to then reflect on it in the break. Mm. So I think it was great for, from the Saints' point of view. You know, it only papers over a few of the problems, uh, potentially temporarily, but at least uh, it, it is a win, and, and two wins in a week, yeah, they can feel pretty happy about life i think just just for a little while and that's a great feeling for them to have going into the international break they actually don't have as many players going away for international duty now as they they did even sort of 12 months ago uh two years ago um so they are going to be around a lot more and it's a nice feeling and a nicer atmosphere for them And, and we've talked a lot about the mentality of getting forward momentum rather than downward momentum and it's slow and it's not a lot, but it is a little bit. And that's a starting block. And they've got that kind of feeling that they can keep that for a little while now, uh, that little positive feeling before then, you know, we, we talked about that little Liverpool run that's coming up. They've also got Brighton at home before then after the break. Um, so it is going to actually 
uh, when you look at the fixtures, the way they're coming, it is actually going to get a little bit tougher for them now. But at least they kind of go into that period with a bit more forward momentum. And in terms of actually the team, I think the the good thing about it was that we've been talking about Hugh sort of searching for these combinations that might work. Yeah just to give him something to stick with just mm. for a little while even if it changes again but just to have a base and actually we saw some good combinations yesterday and in fairness Wesley and Yannick as the two centre-halves uh, did well together in fact for, it was odd about yesterday is probably two of the standout players for Saints were Wesley and Cedric who have obviously been two that have come in for the fiercest criticism in the opening games, and Mm. and fairly so. I mean, they've not had a great start to the season, either of them, but they were both outstanding at Palace, and certainly those two, the centre-half pairing worked really well. The central midfield pairing, Hoiberg and Lamina, worked really well. The strike pairing, Long and Ings, worked really well. Um, And then, I'm not just ignoring the wide players, because they contributed as well, but in terms of those key combinations that we've actually been talking about, needing to try and settle down a little bit, Hughes hit upon something there that maybe he can actually stick with and have a bit of continuity with. It was sort of similar to what he, he played against Leicester, so he obviously... Uh, liked the look of it there and he stuck with it for Palace and then they've got a result so it kind of is like well if everybody's fit you stick with it again Uh, and at least that gives you a little bit more of a base and a little bit more consistency to build from which I think is something that will greatly benefit them as well. Indeed and yeah you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to ask about the uh, consistency of the of the team there in the uh, the two league games Leicester and Palace because you know we have mentioned him trying to work out what does and doesn't work but I guess changing the question then you sort of implied there that the spine of the team performed particularly well and I guess if you can go into any game and that the spine of your team has a has a good match and everyone's contributing that you, you're going to pick up results that's really what they need to focus on and then obviously get wide players and fullbacks involved as well yeah and they've got options out wide i mean they get the thing you know is that they've got cedric and they've got uh ryan bertrand and those two are going to play the fullbacks in the back four yep. um anytime they're fit so that's not exactly the positions that you're worried about chopping and changing you could be worried about their form and various things that's fair enough but that that's not really a concern the wide um, midfield players especially if you're playing a four obviously that is more subject to change just naturally in those positions anyway and obviously Saints have options though Redmond in particular is doing very well and played well again yep. at, at Palace but really that spine of the team is is what everything's uh, built upon and we've you know they, they've accumulated a, a large number of centre-halves now really obviously that's partly because they were the the initial thought of playing the back three which they may come back to at some point but at this point in time it looks like they'll stick with the four for now uh, but they found a, a combination there that works. They found a combination in midfield that works. And though I feel for uh, Romeo, you know, I, I know Steve's a bit sceptical about him, but I like him. But uh, as I've said, him and Lamina don't work. Well, maybe Lamina and Hoiberg will work. And then Ings, obviously very grateful that they got Ings in on deadline day because he's obviously proved already uh, to be a good uh, signing. And then him and Austin obviously didn't quite work initially, but him and Long has worked and it worked again. They they looked good together as a as a pair. Ings has got that, you know, loves to drop deep and link up the play. He plays very deep a lot of the time. In fact, maybe occasionally you'd say he perhaps is a bit too deep. Yeah. But yeah. nonetheless, it you know, he links up the play well, which is fine, but then you have to have somebody further up the pitch and especially you need somebody who's gonna uh, be willing to run, really, mm. um, essentially. And you know, we all know that one of Shane Long's greatest qualities is his uh, willingness to put in the hard yards uh, in a game. And that just looks like it works quite well. Now, I mean, I'm not convinced that all these combinations that you've got and all these players you've got 
add up to the sum of a, a team that are going to challenge for Europe, but they do at least add up to a team that hopefully will be good enough for, for what we kind of were aiming for before the season started, I think, which 17th. was... 17th. <laughs> well, hopefully a mid-table finish without spending an entire season worried about getting relegated and that's as much as you can ask really they can we've seen already this season they've played uh all right i'll I exclude everton from this because i think they're better than this but they've played burnley uh leicester and palace in the league who are all teams that are vaguely going to be in that same sort of bracket of saints mm. i they're not in the top seven. They're not Cardiff and Huddersfield, who before the season look like the two who are really going to struggle. And they're not the top seven. Mm. And then you almost lump everybody else together, don't you, really, yeah. before the season starts. And well, sorry, what you hope, ideally, is obviously they're going to blast all those teams away. But being realistic for a moment, they have to be competitive with all those teams. They're not going to win all those games but they can't afford to get beaten or draw all those games either. So they have to be competitive. And when teams perhaps perform a little under par and don't have a star player when you're going away from home, you take advantage of that, which is exactly what they did against Crystal Palace. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's good signs. It's not to get too carried away um, because uh, yeah, the, the Palace win, though I believe Saints did thoroughly deserve to win that game. It wasn't as if we were talking about a win that was so thoroughly convincing because obviously they did have, have a period where they were a little bit worried just because they hadn't, put the game away which again is is the old goal scoring uh issue to an extent but you know there's enough positives there i think to to be quietly pleased no absolutely and what, what about you steve you, you uh, at the game as we mentioned spoke about him earlier alex mccarthy there was a couple of big saves in there so alongside him who else impressed you it was one of those games where i don't think anybody necessarily stood out well for at least 70 minutes it was just a good all-round team performance mm. I think we struggled in the last 20 because obviously Long went off injured. Ings had been struggling all week with this blister on his foot and supposedly we were lucky to get 70 minutes out of him. Mm. And all of a sudden you go from having two players up front who are very willing to run the channels and be a pain in the backside to the defenders to a situation where the only guy up front you've got is Charlie Austin who doesn't do any of that and never has done and never will do. And all of a sudden, we're now playing very much on the back foot. We've obviously brought on Romeo as well to shore things up. And we're then basically just saying, right, OK, we're going to camp on the edge of the area. What have you got? Mm. Um, and Palace put a lot of balls into the box. I mean, ben Teke, how he's missed that one from three yards, I'll, I'll never, never understand that. He's like the Belgian Shane Long, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's just, just incredible. For a guy who's been transferred twice for 30 million plus fees. Mm. And yet can't seem to hit a cow's ass with a banjo these days. Mm. It's it's extraordinary. I mean, Palace's whoever they've got in reserve up front must be absolutely awful <laughs> if they can't get in ahead of him. Mm. But I think, yeah, I mean, we rode our luck at times last 15, 20 minutes, I think. Yeah. Um, but other than that, mostly in control. But as per whenever we sort of get the job done at, in games like this, you've got to temper it in the context that that the opposition kind of let us do it. Mm. And, and for Mark, he's um, a first win at Selhurst Park in seven career attempts. Um, fair to say, Steve, that as well as the Brighton win, it's been a, a good week for him personally, as you sort of alluded to earlier, as well as for the club. Yeah, I think well, it just settles people down, I think, for a few weeks now that we've got a couple of wins under our belts. While the, while the games were relatively tight 
going into sort of latter stages of the games, mm. we were relatively in control of both of them. I think I think yeah. that's fair to say. So I think Hughes will be fairly fairly happy that he, he now gets two weeks to work on what he wants to do in the next month or so without any sort of pressure of Christ, we're actually in a relegation battle here, so maybe we need to reassess how we're going to attack these games. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think from his perspective, he'll be he'll be relatively relaxed. And we um, speaking a lot about Danny Ings since he joined the club, ads, and, and I know you mentioned there again putting the ball away has been a frustration, but that's two goals in three starts for him now. And when you think about the the issue we've had scoring goals over the last couple of years, it's it's good to see him hit the ground running. It was a really really nice finish um, at Palace. So someone that has hit the ground running like we would have hoped, really. Absolutely, and it was a good finish. It was a, it was a decent finish. It was. Um... The defending was an absolute joke, wasn't mm. it? I mean, if, <laughs> if Saints would have conceded that goal, we'd have been absolutely destroying the uh, Saints defenders. The, the, I mean, it was an absolute shambles. But the ball yeah. still needs putting away, and it wasn't an absolutely, like, gimme kind of chance. It was a very good chance, very presentable chance, but they're also the kind of chances that we know that Saints haven't taken uh, in the last couple of years, which has been part of the problem. So mm. it's what they need. I mean, um, you know, we've had our own opinions on what they needed but obviously more goal threat mm. was kind of the crux of it and it's a good move i mean it just the one thing that did strike me is how good news it was they got him given that it was such a very very late decision yeah. to get him and given that it went to the wire that any sort of delay in his travel and they wouldn't have got it over the line it did make you kind of think blimey had that had anything gone wrong and that not gone through mm. then well, I mean, it might have been a, a more difficult situation, but yeah, it's intriguing. It's, it's intriguing. It was good to see everybody out for the Brighton game mm. to get a look at a look at everybody, and then fascinating to see that we went back. Obviously, changed the whole team back, which is not a, a great surprise for Palace. But then on the bench, obviously Gallagher made an impact off the bench. Gabbiadini started Brighton, and neither of those made the bench again for Palace, mm. um, which was interesting given obviously we knew that Ings was struggling to be fit to go with them with one striker is very interesting and obviously Mark Hughes we can only take him at his word but obviously the fact that he's not including the other guys perhaps is an indication of of where and how he perhaps sees them at the moment and their place in the pecking order so it's been very interesting but obviously Ings has certainly solved the problem for him Mm. in terms of coming in and I, I think as well Mark Hughes was very instrumental in that signing mm. and Ings being the player they went for. And that's a good sign. If he's picking good players and identifying problem areas. Yeah, how many times in the last couple of years have we all said, we can all see the problems. Why can't anybody else? And it's very easy to sit on the sidelines and say that. I do appreciate that. But actually, Hughes has picked a player and, and they've got him who is doing the business straight away. And that's really fantastic news for Saints and, you know, long may it continue. I suppose it does show that we've got the, the depth in the squad that we've spoken about now. Um, just, I, I may have missed it, so apologies if I did. Where was Stuart Armstrong this weekend? Well, he was in the matchday squad. Right, I mean, so he just wasn't on tra- the bench. Yeah, well, he, he travelled. He was, yeah, I mean, I assume he was fully fit. Mark, mm. I did ask Mark Hughes a couple of questions, uh, more general questions for, for stuff later in the week that was... Um, about the squad he did say it's a difficult position at the moment for him because he's having to disappoint a lot of players and mm. there's players that are you know are traveling and they're not even making the 18 on the match day but that's just the depth of squad and the thing is for saints at the moment they're in a very rare position obviously they're injury free at the moment they've got nobody that's got a serious issue yet 
the, these are things that are going to change as the season wears on. They're not going to go through uh, an entire season, you wouldn't think, without a few injuries, um, relatively substantial injuries, and probably injuries to a few important players as well. So they're going to need more than they've got. At the moment, the squad looks so competitively sized that it almost looks like there's too many people there. But... Um, I'm sure that as as things get more stretched, especially when we go through that winter period and when inevitably you get the suspensions and injuries racking up, that we'll see a lot of these guys playing uh, an awful lot more. And, and I guess at that point, they're going to need to rely on some of them. But he's already shown that he's going to play them again against Everton, at the very least, I would imagine. Mm. Look, Ads, I, I thought it was quite an interesting question to ask, ask you. We, we spoke last week and you sort of mentioned that even if we went into the international break with four points, it wasn't fantastic. So question is, a win like that, and Steve sort of mentioned it now, gives Hughes a couple of weeks to really think about what he's doing. Does the international break come at a good time for Saints because it means they can now regroup and think, right, you know, let's build on what we've done? Or a win like that, a bit of momentum, you kind of then lose it straight away because you're off for two weeks. So can, can it work both ways or do you, do you see it as a positive or negative that there's an international break now? You know what? I normally have a real feeling about that. Uh, and this time I'm a little bit actually unsure if I'm totally honest because mm. under any normal circumstance, I think my, my gut at this point would be it's a bad time because yeah. you just want when you're when you're winning games, you want to keep going. You want the next game and you want the next game. You don't want the disruption. And though we've said there aren't that many players uh, going away there's still enough going away yep. that it's, it will disrupt things and they, they won't train fully for two weeks or anything like that i also don't think it's probably helped in a way by the fact that they've got the brighton game when they come back bump to monday mm. especially then when you consider what they've got afterwards which is now that absolutely horrible week mm. where I, I guess though to be fair what hughes will do is he will probably go with the template of what they've done the last week and he'll probably pick this is my team for liverpool and wolves and uh, assuming that everton is on the wednesday maybe what he will actually do is just leave a load of players at home mm. for for everton and just take a completely different team and leave the others literally back at their houses kicking their heels during the week and you know training at staplewood with the staff yep. yes so uh, sorry under normal circumstances i would say no but I, I just get the feeling that maybe just the way things have gone that actually it's not a bad time for saints to have this little break I just think maybe they need to have that period just to take the deep breath, to clear their heads, to think mini, mini early crisis averted yep. by getting that win. OK, now we take stock. We've kind of learned a bit more. Hughes as well has learned a bit more. He's got kind of a base to start with, something else to work on. Like I said, I, I, I'm a bit unsure. It feels to me like it might not actually be a bad time. Mm. Going into the international break from a fan's point of view, four games down in the league now, it's nice to see a win in the uh, the column there finally. Um, have you seen enough from Saints so far in the league this season to sort of think that they can make it a much more comfortable year than it was last? In parts, yeah. I'd like to see us be able to sustain it over the course of an entire game because ultimately at this level, even against the weakest sides in, in the league, you're liable to be punished at any given moment if you slack off. Mm. But yeah, I think we will probably be fine. Whether that's because we're any good or whether that's just because there are many more, even worse teams than us, I don't know. Mm. Um, I guess there's probably a little bit of both on, on that factor. I mean, there's still some very obvious issues for us. We let too many crosses come into the box, which, I mean, against a side like Crystal Palace, actually quite surprised that that didn't result in absolute carnage. <laughs> 
But side like Brighton with Glenn Murray, mm. if you put crosses into the box to him, he will score goals against us. Yep. So we need to be better at stopping the crosses coming into the box in the first place. Because that was always one of our one of our major strengths. Back a few years back when we when we had one of the best defences in the league, mm. it wasn't necessarily that the back four and the goalkeeper were that good. It was that they were offered so much protection by the guys in front mm. that they didn't have as much work to do. Yeah. And as a result, on the occasions where they did have to do stuff, they actually had the energy and the and the mental capacity to be able to cope with it. Yeah. Whereas now, the last year or so, our back four have just been completely overworked. From your point of view, I just want to mention the fans as well, because I know it's been two fairly local games at Brighton and Palace, but it has been a tough and frustrating start to the season. So great to see. I think it was over 2,000 down at Brighton. And again, you all have been hit by the wall of noise from the, the Saints fans at Palace yesterday. So still very much as ever getting behind the team and pulling their weight. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was good support in both games, really. I mean, I know it's school holidays and stuff, but Tuesday night is still... And going down to Brighton, I know it's a local game, but it's still not an easy drive. Trust me, I've sat in enough of the traffic getting down there to know that. It was not the easiest to, to get down to at that time of night. We all know what the road down to Brighton's like. And uh, yeah, and then to follow it up at uh, the weekend at Palace. But it was good noise again at Palace. I mean, Steve probably tell you more because obviously he was in the away end. But they sounded noisier. They're behind them. And we know Saints have had uh, fantastic away support in particular uh, for a very long period of time. You just hope that the long-suffering St Mary's fans get something mm. more to cheer about because obviously home wins um, are what what clubs live and breathe and live and die by in many ways because that's obviously where most of their fans see them and and etc cetera, etc cetera. and obviously they have been very hard to find in the last year or so so fingers crossed that, that those guys get some more luck and some more goals coming their way once we get back after the break. Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast. Myself, Steve and Adam are going to take a break next weekend due to the international games. If there is anything you think we can do better on the podcast, any feedback or anything you'd like us to be talking about in the run-up to Christmas, yep, the dreaded C-word, then please do let us know via Facebook, via Twitter or Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com are the best ways to do that. It's been an excellent week for Saints. Two wins, two clean sheets, three goals, three different goal scorers, three different assisters and in 10th place, well, at least when I did my notes anyway. Let's enjoy it. See you after the international break and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.